Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 380. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Happy weekend. Happy weekend, which is about to end because we're recording. <laughs> it's the 29th. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a Sunday. So that means for most of us, we got to go back to work in the morning. I'm one of them, too. Mm. Back on day shift. Yeah, well. Yeah. I don't Monday know on a Monday. Yeah. Hate it. Right? Mm-hmm. I can't tell what day is what and what time is what because it's it's like I never leave. I'm trapped. <laughs> Comes with the rank. Yeah. Shame that you don't get paid a lot more. That's right. <laughs> uh all right. So um Treg could not be with us. He's dealing with some family stuff. So um he Sends his apologies to everyone. He wishes you'd be able to see him. He bought a new T-shirt. Everything's good, but uh, perhaps on the next one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he's still shopping at Baby Gap. Yeah, which for him is normal size clothes. Exactly. But uh, for for this episode, um, it's going to be my last one for a little bit. Matt and Traeger are going to have to take over because I'm going to be taking off for a few weeks. I'm going to go head down to Boston and kind of hang out in the middle of the ocean for a few weeks in between. Uh, but this episode, we're going to bring up a few things, mostly surrounding the game against the Winnipeg Jets. So last night, the Canadians played the Jets. And we're going to talk about that and some of the issues surrounding the team. Some of it coming from that game. So why don't we just start with the game itself, Matt? Well, it was another come from behind victory, something that we're kind of getting used to with this team this year. Um, I I don't know about you, when those two quick goals went went in in the second period, I was like, all right, well, it's enough of this game, or they're they're done for. But they battled back like they have been this year, and uh, they're proving early on in the season that they're not going to just be a team that's going to be pushed over and it's going to be an easy out for. Uh, any team that's coming in. So overall, great performance from them. And uh, I would say it's capped off by the performance of Jake Allen, who I believe has taken um, the starting goaltending position, you know, away from everybody else. I I think that it's his net to lose at this point. Um, Going into the season, a lot of people said it was Montembeau's to lose based on, his performance last season and based on his performance at the world championships. But so far he's just been kind of mediocre and Jake Allen through the four games that he started three Oh and one, and he's got a nine thirty save percentage. So you can't really, you can't really fault the veteran at this point. And I know a lot of people are saying trade him while he's hot or try to make a deal while he's hot or whatever. And I'm kind of telling people, you know, pump the brakes on this. It's still early in the season. Obviously, I'd like to see this continue. 
And you never know. He might be a guy that's going to be a trade asset moving forward. However, I think that having a veteran goaltender and Jake Allen playing the way that he is, is just another player to rally around for a young team. And it's just a positive in the locker room. So ride it out as long as you can. And obviously don't overwork the guy. But again, they've got to do something with the whole three goaltender situation because you don't want to have a guy sitting for that long. I think we saw it a little bit in Montembeau's last start. He hadn't played in a while, and I think it showed. So it's going to be hard to say who's going to start against Vegas on Monday, but uh, my my guess would be Montembeau, seeing that Allen uh, just came off a 40-plus uh, save performance against Winnipeg. But um, yeah. again, he was the reason that they won that game. Well, judging by the way they do things, they're going to throw Primo to the Wolves and put him in front of the defending cup champs. That's just the way it, <laughs> you never know. Just the way it seems. <laughs> you never yeah. know. But you're going on. You're telling. You're talking about uh, a veteran goaltender that the players can rally around, and that's why uh, with teams like Buffalo who are having these injury problems with their goaltenders, that's why there's rumors flying around about, hey, maybe Jake Allen would be a good fit there, and he absolutely would. But if you trade out a, a Jake Allen, you're down to Jake Allen. You don't have anything coming back in to replace him. So you're going to have to rely on Montambo and Primo, yeah. which, I mean, a, a lot of people want to lose more games, and that's fine. I get it. You're rebuilding. But this team this year is supposed to take a step forward. Yeah, you want to see prog- with, you want to see progression. And, yeah. and, and it's not and, Allen's and they not the compete. only one there. Allen's not the only one they're talking about. They're already talking oh. about Monahan, who who scored again last night. Um, nice power play goal. Uh, he's got seven points so far in eight games. Uh, Tanner Pearson's got five points in eight games, and everyone's already saying, "Okay, start lining up, uh, start lining up the deals." And it's like, okay, like just just. Well, I can see, I can see those these, two. These are Monahan guys that are going to be out more than likely, but right at the now. Deadline. Yeah, but yeah, utilize them. Yeah, utilize them. Yeah. Maximize their maximize their value. Some guys are already saying, all right, like trade one of these guys while they're hot, bring back a shit contract, and uh, and get some futures. It's like it's we're eight games into the season, guys. Like calm down a little bit. Well, other teams aren't going to be shopping for new players now anyway. They shouldn't be um, at least. Shouldn't be, uh, and with uh, Monahan and Tanner Pearson, the two of them are on expiring contracts. So it makes perfect sense to ride them until the deadline. And and by then, um, if you do move them both, you open up two roster positions for players who are in, say, Laval, who've had the majority of a season to get themselves up to speed with the professional right. game because most right. of the players down there are super young. Yeah. But uh, overall, back to the game, um, I yeah. thought it was uh, – yeah, I thought it was just another one of those performances that uh, – the Canadians were looked like they were down and out at one point, and they find a way to come back. Um, I know we, uh, off air we talked a little bit about a couple things we were going to bring up, and it's it's one of them's uh, Joel Armia. He tied the uh, or he uh, scored the tying goal, and uh, just a few seconds off of being a shorthanded goal, I think that was massive for him. I think it was big for the team, and uh, this might keep him up with the team. Uh, for the for the future, or for at least yeah. for the time being, but you get a look. Even in the games that he played in Laval, he played five games. He scored four goals. So it's not like he went down there and was like, "Ah, 
I'm in the AHL. Like I hate Montreal and I'm not going to do anything. Like he worked his way back up and yeah, his first game, he did not look out of place. It, it, like it was one of the better games that we've seen him play. I played just shy of 15 minutes. He, he had a good, good amount of time on the, on the penalty kill had three shots and scored a goal. So can't really say anything, um, anything too negative about a guy that's uh, pretty much there for a fourth line role and to kill penalties. And he did just that last night. Yeah. He, it, the fact that he went to Laval uh, with a good attitude and he produced and the young guys appreciated him being around there. And he was very, he was a me- more of a mentor at that point that probably helped lead to his call up. I mean, other yeah. players played better than him, but they're much younger and you want them to play those minutes. So calling up someone for a fourth line, Armia was the perfect fit and he stepped up and he played a very solid game. He did. Like, outside the goal even, even if he didn't score, he produced a very good game. Yeah, you didn't notice him for any wrong reasons. No. He uh, he was he was physical when he needed to be. He was able to get pucks out of his own zone. He was able to cycle the play on the four check, provide some energy, eat up some minutes post power play, that kind of thing. Yeah. Give the, give the, the guys up in the lineup a little bit, a little bit of a breather. Right. So that was good. Um, but there was some bad in this game too. I mean, obviously outside the first period, which is absolute trash. I mean, they played, they played poorly. Well, you I can't let Winnipeg up that many just shots. came out flying. Yeah, you can't let up that many shots. And it's happened multiple times yeah. already this season. And that's something that they're going to have to really uh, kind of take care of. Um, yes, it's nice that Allen played the way that he did. But we're also still only eight games in the season. He was in his fourth game. You don't want you don't want this day in and day out letting up 35, 40 shots. It just, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And that's how injuries start. That's how this happens. And that's when the negativity starts coming in. So if they can kind of shore up a little bit in front of their own net, I think it would be very beneficial for them moving forward. I wouldn't mind the number of shots that they're giving up. If the sh- the shots they were giving up weren't uh, more high danger chance right, shots. Right. I mean, they're giving up a lot of those. Yes. A little too many. Yeah. So, if they cut back on that and all the shots are coming from the outside, I mean, yeah. Gold, uh, Montembeau, uh, Allen, even Primo should be able to stop those for the most right. part. Right. So that would be better. Um, but I mean, it, you go to the negative negativity side with the fans. The team's five two and one right now. Yeah. And there's people that are pissed off that they're five two and one. Right. And I understand you're in team tank. You want the highest draft pick. That's fine. But. Don't shit on the other fans who are happy to see their team win. Exactly. Let's be honest. I I, I don't see the team keeping up this pace because of I, what I, we I just talked about. I don't think a lot of people do, but you know, ride it while you can. Like ride, like ride the wave. Like be happy. It's, it's there hasn't been a lot of positivity to talk about in terms of the Canadians for the last since they went to the Cup final. To be honest. Yeah. So yeah. take it as you can. Like when Kirby Doc went down and was out for the and, and now he's out for the year, it was like, all right, here we go. And then Savard is out for six plus weeks. Here we go. And Gouli is out without, day right, to day. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're already out with the you're already without Dvorak. You were day to day with Gooley. Now you're day to day with Matheson. They're still winning games. So be positive, people, while you can. And even if they don't win the games, the fact that they're in the games, they're they're competing. Like this is the second straight game. They were down three to one yep. and they came back. They ended up winning both in overtime. Well, overtime in a shootout. But the fact that they're capable of coming back shows that this is a team that, yeah, they're rebuilding, but they've got the right the right attitude, the right approach. Uh, St. Louis got them starting to focus on how to play the game properly, and that's what I want to see this year. Even if you end up losing the rest of the season, lose every single game, if you're losing them by one goal, right. you're able to make comebacks and whatnot. It's showing progress. Yes. So you mentioned some now, negatives. So you mentioned some yeah. negatives. And uh, I'll let you start with yours. I know mine's pretty glaring, and I'll bring mine up. But I'll let you start with yours. It might even be the same one. It could be. Um, I mean, the use of Slavkowski, Okay. I found that to be a little bit of a negative. Um, I believe I like Josh Anderson and all. He brings something to the team that not a lot of players can. But on the power play, unless he's playing against the Maple Leafs, he doesn't bring much. Like they're, He's great on a rush, but I don't know, playing in the net front or in the, uh, the bumper spot, I, he doesn't have it. Whereas Slavkovsky has all the tools to play in that bumper spot, to play net front, to, to move pucks around. He's got playmaking skills. And to be honest, this kid needs to start shooting a lot more. He's got maybe one shot per game. And that's my problem with Slavkovsky is like we talk about, you know, give him the power play time. We talk about where where we, he could utilize him the best, but he's already said himself he's more of a playmaker than a goal scorer, even though when he was drafted, a lot of people were like, oh, here's the next power forward, goal scoring, young forward coming into the league, right? Um, but you're right. Like he hasn't been shooting the puck and there has been times where it kind of looks like he's reverting to his old season, like his uh, last season self where the puck gets on his stick and he just, he's like, uh, what do I do? And either he just gets rid of it or he makes just an ill-advised pass or holds it for too long. Wait, wait, he, he, there's a lot of times where if it doesn't go off his stick right away towards the net on a power play opportunity or a opportunity where it's like, you have to shoot he's not taking that shot and it's it's frustrating to watch because i think that whole line in general is struggling yes there's there's re- other reasons for the line to struggle i mean he's not the the one that carries the line and the the fact that you bring up the his struggle with the pace of play and the timing uh that's why i've noticed a lot of people talking about AHL and we've talked about that over the summer here as well right. And all three of us have all said the AHL would be fine. Honestly, it'd probably be better for him at this point. But they're not going to do it. No, I don't think so. Like we saw in the, the preseason, we've seen some flashes. Like we've even seen yeah. in the in the regular season this year, we've seen some flashes. But people are going to only look at points. And he's only got an assist so far through eight games, and the points are going to come. Like, but at the same time, NHL isn't a developmental league. No, and the 
he has made he's created a lot of offensive opportunities this season so many that you know sometimes you wonder what would happen if his linemates have actually buried the opportunities yes. he's generated yep. he'd have a ton more points but the fact remains he's not shooting enough and if he's not shooting more players aren't going to respect his shot and they're going to cheat to the pass which yep. takes away his playmaking skill right and, so other, and, when, and other players other players from other yeah. team are like this guy's not going to be a, isn't a shooting threat so that's right right that's the why game, we'll cheat to the right? pass yeah the, yeah the game the game plan on him is going to be like all right just he's going to pass it over here exactly that's and the, it's like uh anderson the game plan on him is just keep him wide because you know he's going to shoot he's not going to make a pass he's not going to drop it yeah he'll just try and cut to the net so if yeah. you just stay between him and the net there's your plan if you can, I mean, his speed makes it hard. But with uh, with Slavkovsky, I mean, he's shown improvement. And that's, to me, that's a plus. So he's played a lot better so far this year than he did last year. So uh, I'm not going to crap on a 19-year-old kid who's showing improvement. Yeah. I'm just going to wonder how the, even the, from line two down, yeah. is going to blend when Dvorak comes back. Because I truly believe that he's gonna he's gonna shift back to center. He's gonna be a center. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. He's one of the better defensive centers that they have, and I think that's gonna really help a guy out like Newhook, who last night struggled mightily, winning nine percent of his faceoffs. And we knew we knew going in he wasn't a strong faceoff man, and I, I I think that he's just at this level or at least right now in his career. He's better suited as a winger to be able to do right to be able to use your speed a little bit more. And if you have someone to get the puck to you, to be able to kind of unleash that speed and, and do what you got to do. Right. I mean, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be adverse to him lining up as a, as a winger to start the shift yeah, and then just that, shifting that to center too. after the face. And, that, and that's okay. And yeah, I, and I can that see, I can see that possibly happening. Because I could see yeah. maybe Monaghan moving up to that line, have a new hook on a wing, or even like I don't know if I'd have Dvorak, as he's more of a defensive-minded player. Mm -hmm. Maybe take that third-line position with the uh, with the other two vets or something. Bye. Yeah, I do see Dvorak when he steps in. He'll step into the Metamusa line and allow Monaghan yeah. to move up to the second <laughs> line. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, that opens up opportunities for uh, St. Louis to make some line changes to shuffle things up a little bit, and that could help. Um, it's, it's gonna it's gonna cause a ripple effect because you take Monahan and you take him off that line, you put him on the second line, or some people are saying put him up on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. It's gonna cause a ripple throughout the lineup because if you move a winger off of if you move a winger off the second line, whether it be Slavkovsky or Anderson, you're at least bumping one of those down to the third. Where you're gonna drop Pearson or Gallagher down to the fourth line. That means a guy like Gilonen's not playing, a guy like Pizzat is not playing, a guy like Army is not playing, whatever, right? So and speaking of being uh, ripples down the lineup, Matheson ended the game. Uh he couldn't end the game, he was injured during the game, and they're calling it uh in air quotes a day to day. So we all know Gooley was in air quotes day to day, but he was really out for two weeks with a concussion. So yeah, <laughs> upper body though. 
<laughs> upper body. Um, so he's day to day. So does that mean three weeks from now he'll come back and we'll find out that he had like a, a herniated disc or some nonsense? Well, like you know that? what? It's it's uh, it's positive that he's traveling with the team. Yes. And there's only two. I think there's only either three games on the road, I believe. I think something along those lines. I'd have to I look. Mean, maybe maybe he wants to go uh, bet on games and uh, on football games in Vegas. He doesn't want to pull a Pinto, though. <laughs> Yeah. Don't pull a pinto. But yeah, I think they do um, is like Vegas, Vegas, um, Arizona, and St. Louis or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, then they play oh, and they're week. and 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 in Tampa. Then no, they're, they're at back. home for Tampa. Oh, they're at home for Tampa. Yeah. 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 So three games this week. The Knights, the Coyotes, and the Blues. That is not an easy road trip. It, it's not, but at the same time, you look at that schedule and at least two out of three should be winnable games. Yeah. Yeah. That, no one's expecting the Canadians to beat the Golden Knights. I was going to say that they were going to come out strong against the Golden Knights and then shit the bed against Arizona. But <laughs> that would be more of Montreal Canadian. That's, Canadians-ish. The, that's the Canadian style, right? So, <laughs> yeah. But you, but you are right. You are right. When you, yeah. you go into Vegas and, and right now they're they're starting just incredible. They're 8 0 1 to start the yeah. season. They're getting goal um, um, contributions up and down their lineup. Their goaltending has been solid. They're a well-coached team, so it's gonna be it's gonna like be a, a tough one. Yeah, it's gonna They're be a, a it's, gonna, it's gonna be a tough one, and it's a and it's a building that uh, it's a it's a building that um, you know it's got a lot of energy and special effects and everything else, yeah. right? So um, there's gonna be holographic I, I, players out there. Yeah. So I even though they're uh, even though they're, um, I love the like their cup banner was mint. That looked great. Right? It did look good. The whole slot machine thing, though, that was pretty cheesy. But you know, it is Vegas, right? So it's Vegas. Yeah, there's got to be some tackiness to it, like tongue in cheek. Hey, you know, '60s Vegas kind of thing. Yeah, they, yeah. It, it's part of the it's part of the the mystique yeah. of the city. That's true. So why not? That's Le- true. Turn into the skid a little bit, you know, and I'll have, embrace I'll let him it. Have it. I'll let them have it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the rings, Did you see the uh, the rings that they made. There's a yeah. little uh, little arena hole in there that they yeah. can put. Uh, I don't know. Sugar for their cereal. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So, eh. but it's going to be a t- it is going to be a tough road trip. Uh, right. The Blues are are underestimated in my opinion they're they're still a pretty tough team to play against even though they're not what they were in 2019 when they're right. when, when they won the cup well maybe they are kind of like what they were in the beginning of that season but yeah they're, they're still a pretty tough team yeah and arizona is going to be pretty motivated to show off because they know they're going to be on national tv with montreal in town so they're gonna show off their their five thousand seat arena. <laughs> Place will just be booming. <laughs> Woo! Um. So yeah. So, but going back to the trickle down effect with Matheson, um, with him out of the lineup, that's gonna open up more ice time for others. For instance, Jacki, who played quite a few minutes, uh, he played just under 17 minutes, which is a little bit more than what he's 
been playing at so far this year. And if he's moved up to a second pairing, which I think he will be now, he's going to play 20 minutes. So it's going to give him a little bit of an opportunity. Um, But the one that's going to really benefit from it with more ice time, and it's going to be Gooley. In his first game back, he looked amazing. He looked great. But he's one of those players that given the given the opportunity to jump up and play the extra minutes, he he exceeds he like he exceeds expectation. He's not a guy like Barron, and I'm not gonna shit on Barron. He's made some defensive lapses, but that's how Barron plays. But he's got three goals in five games and he's got a fifty percent shooting percentage. So I won't shit on him that bad. However, um we talked about Barron in the preseason being a, a really slow starter, and it takes somebody to get knocked out of the lineup for him to be like, all right, kid, you're the next one up. You need to start playing now. And then he starts to play. But Gooley well, yeah. was, 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 uh, was able to jump in, in Matheson, Matheson's absence. And uh, yeah, he looked fantastic last night, but over 25 minutes, put, put up a couple assists. I, I think it was one of his better games uh, that we've even, that we've seen him play in his young career. Yeah, and he was he was stepping up into the play. He was generating offense. He was creating offensive opportunity. Like he he's the one that got the assist on, on the that Army third goal. goal. Yeah, yeah, cut up the middle, and he made a a very very nice pass, a saucer pass through a defender directly onto Armia's stick. So yeah. he he's got some offensive chops to his game as well. Not just hey me big me hit. Right. You know, the, right. He's a player. So well, you gotta say, like, he up. was the uh, he was the uh, the WHL uh, playoff uh, playoff MVP. Yeah, right. Like as you said, he's not just one of those like smash and bang type players. So he's a he's going to be a solid two way defenseman in this league. And he can keep up with people like Connor McDavid. He's got wheels. He can skate like he's a son got of a wheels. bitch. Yeah, backwards at that. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have a hard time keeping up with McDavid in a car. Yeah, <laughs> but he's doing it on his feet so he'll he'll be the beneficiary of more ice time and a larger role um we'll see how he handles that because we're looking down the line two three years uh Gooley's going to be relied upon quite heavily as a shutdown you know he's going to be a matchup shutdown guy but they're going to want offense from him as well so this is going to give him the chance to kind of test those waters and, and you talked about Barron a little bit and you're right, he's a bit of a slow starter, but once he gets going, he's he's great. And this year, despite a couple of lapses defensively, he's looked even better defensively than he did last year. Yeah. Like he's the he's playing the way they wanted him to play when they traded for him. Like this is yes. a a good puck moving second pairing defenseman who you can rely on. Yeah, and um some people have had this conversation, so I'm gonna bring this up as well. Um why I I know the reason why because they 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 asked St. Louis about it, but I want your opinion on it. Why not put a guy that's an offensive minded or more offensive minded defenseman who's got a big shot on the second power play unit instead of Jacka? I can see why Jacka's there because when he shoots, he gets it on net. It's he not does. it's not always the hardest shot, but when he when he, he knows gets how to opening, get it on net and get it through. Exactly. So for me, that that seems to be the reasoning as to why he's there. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, 
why wouldn't you want a more offensive minded guy there? I, I can see that as well, but who's reliable enough or consistent enough to take his spot. Right. At, at this point, I don't think anyone really is because the ones that would be are already on the first pairing. Yeah. So right now I think it kind of looks like it's, it's more the fact that they want to do, they want to develop that side of Jack Eye's game while yeah. also developing the 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 game of the defensive style for Justin Barron. And I think and I don't I don't have yeah. an issue with it. I don't have an issue with it. Maybe yeah. if maybe if it was uh um you know maybe if it was a couple minute couple minutes left in the game and you have to throw out your second pairing, maybe then you throw a little someone with a little bit more offensive mind, but if you're down a goal, you need one. You throw out the yeah. guy who, you know, damn the torpedoes, all offense. Yeah. Who can do that? Now I want to. Uh, I, I, I want to start. I want to start shitting on the power play. This is this something that, I, that we normally do on the show? But uh, lately, lately, they actually have been the puck the net. Yeah, like how dare they start yeah. <laughs> playing better on the power play and take yeah. away an entire segment in the show right. called right. power play corner? Yeah, <laughs> where we don't score any points, just like their power play did. That's right, or didn't. Yeah. So, so now they're getting better on the power play. Now they're sitting middle of the pack on the power play instead of dead last, like they have been for a couple of years. Those <laughs> bastards. <laughs> but that is a good. That's a that's a good news thing for the Canadians. They're starting to be able to uh, create offensive zone pressure on the power play, and they they've got some pretty good puck moving. But I ha- uh, but the way I see it happening now is because of people like uh, Sean Monahan, who's playing in front of the net, who's playing in that bumper spot, who's able to move uh, down to the goal line so they can do a little bit of a tic-tac-toe passing play to get a, a quick shot off or screen the goaltenders. Like That's the role that they put Anderson in sometimes, and he is not suited for it. Or Gallagher. Gallagher loves being in front of the net, but it's more because he's sliding headfirst into the goalie. Yeah. It's a little bit easier Which to God see over top him. of him. A little, you know. it, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. He's there mostly as a pest to piss them absolutely, off. Absolutely. Absolutely. But on the power play, you don't, you don't really need that. You need a guy who can do what Monaghan's been doing. And he's done it well so far. Three out of four goals on the power play so far. Yeah. And, that to me, that's the reason why they're and doing the other one. On the that. other one was shorthanded. Yes, yeah. he, <laughs> yeah. he hasn't scored a five-on-five goal yet this season. What a lazy bugger! I know, right? Right? My God, how dare he score all those goals and not do it when they're even? <laughs> well, try to find a time during the season that Montreal's had he had been been playing at even strength. So that's a good point. That's why they're such a good five-on-five team because they only did it for two minutes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, and and again, this game here saw officiating that was meh, kind of meh, but nowhere. At least this game against Winnipeg, the officiating, even though it was kind of meh, the calls they made, you can say they made somewhat some kind of sense. Yeah, unlike the, the game Clum- before, it wasn't the Columbus game. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, I could argue against the penalty shot, but he did hook him. And he was kind of on a breakaway. 
kind of. I still think it was. I want to give him the two, but I can see two for sure. Two for sure. But we've seen it already in this year. There's been an abnormal amount of of, uh, penalty shots. I think they're doing it on purpose. I think so, too. It's a conspiracy. I think so, too. And it's uh, I I don't know. I don't think it was should have been a penalty shot. I don't think it was that uh, much of a clear cut breakaway. I don't think it was that malicious what he did. No, again, two minute. We've seen and we've seen a hell of a lot worse guys getting dragged down or or slapped or slashed or hacked or whatever. And, you know, two minute penalty or nothing. And I brought up the officiating because it impacted the game again with the last two minutes because the Canadians again got called for a high stick in the last couple of minutes of the game, meaning they start on the uh, start on the penalty kill to start overtime again. And we came a hair away from Caulfield scoring another overtime goal. Yeah. It would have been his seventh right career. before the end. Yeah. 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 131 games or so. Yeah. Yeah. 131 games Six for seven. That yeah, would have been insane. Yeah. So, but, but I do find, I do find that they're, uh, that their um, overtime strategy is looking a lot better than what it was. They still There's get they, they, they right. They still let up some. They still let up some chances, yeah. like most teams do. But um, I I just think their puck pursuits a lot better, and they're not forcing it as much as they were before. Uh, there's a little bit. There's a little bit more planning. There's a little bit more. Um, you know, where am I going to pass? When am I going to pass? Who's going to come on? Who's going to jump? Who's you know? So I, I I think it looks a lot better, and so far it's paid off for them. Well, it's not like the old uh, the days of Claude Julian, who would be ripping the oxygen masks off the uh, <laughs> old, the veterans to yeah. send them out to start the overtime and not change them. Right. There's there's some strategy to it now. Yeah. And it's it's offensively minded strategy. So yeah. you know that that's good news. Well, again, and, and, another area they're improving on. And um, for instance, like. Um... Suzuki getting better on the power play. He's just he's fifty two percent so far this year. Um, mm-hmm. He's winning more face off, so you can start him out there. You can start right. You can start him out there right away. You don't have to have a guy like Evans go out or Monahan or whoever just to win the draw, so you can get possession and make the change. So that's a, that's just a little positive as well. Uh, a, a positive would be if there was a little bit more health to the team because with Suzuki they're riding him pretty heavy. Like last year he was averaging 23 minutes a game. He's doing the same again this year. Uh, It's just shy of 21 minutes right now. Yeah, exactly. So he's being ridden hard. And for a guy who hasn't missed a game yet, that's a lot of minutes. Don't don't push it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the impact of these injuries. They're taking players away that they can trust in those situations. And now it's forcing him to play more. Yes. So that's that's the only downside, but I mean, it's not like he's playing poorly. No, which is why they're relying on him so heavily because he's he is that good. Hey, won the game for them the other day in the shootout, so take it. Sure did. He's finally scoring goals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he already had he had one. He had one going into the game. Well, that's what I mean. Like he's starting yeah. to score goals now. Yeah. Like, he had a slow start. I mean, a couple of games and looked. You know, he's a little rough offensively, but he's coming around. Yes. So 
I mean, that, that game there was almost a carbon copy of the game before. We can go on for hours about, you know, what they can fix, what they can't, what they, what they did well, but it's all the same stuff again. Yeah. For a team in a rebuild at this hey, stage of the hey, rebuild. Hey, we're losing. Hey, we got to start playing a little tougher. Hey, we tied it. Hey, we won. <laughs> Everyone goes home that, right? <laughs> and, and the fans were, were rocking again. They were. they were, yeah. So all this talk, all this negative talk of, oh, God, they suck. They should lose more. Well, the people that pay $200 a ticket to go watch the team, they don't want to see that. They want no. to see fun, exciting game. And once in a while, a big win. Right. You know, I would paying that kind of money. Jesus. Yes. yes. <laughs> Imagine taking a family of four to that shit. Holy crap. That's like a thousand bucks. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Uh, all right. So do you have anything else on the on the game or on the game? I don't and minuses? On, the, on the game. I don't know. Uh, anything on the players coaches um i'll you know what i'll give it i'll give a shout out to the coaching staff and the players just in general when armia scored his goal and uh we saw Litowski come over and uh yeah. and give a good you know obviously i i'm sure more did than just Litowski, but it was just the, the fact that the camera panned over to him but the fact that everyone was tapping him on the helmet or giving him a tap on the back and everything like for a veteran guy the to go down to the to Laval and uh get called up and score his first game and everything and for the the team and even the fans to uh react the way that they did I think that just showed a lot of class and I thought and I thought that was uh something worthy of bringing up I agree yeah no that that was that's a that's a nice feel good part of this game there yeah um so now I want to move to a question that uh a friend of the show JD Legrange has asked openly uh -oh. out uh -oh. in the the X verse about finding some help for Jack Eye. Now he mentions getting a young Nick Delorier for a fourth line role okay. to help Jack Eye, I guess with the fighting or the toughness factor. Okay. Well, well you they, think they, that's they, needed? Well, there's the whole, there's the whole aspect of, I want to see him. I think he's got it in, into him to be a defense first, but, offensively reliable, I guess, kind of defenseman. Not not necessarily a two-way defenseman, but a guy that is going to put up a few points that can do what he did last year. He can get he can get uh he can get pucks on net and he can contribute here and there. Jump up when he needs to, but he knows really what his role is. I think it was blown out of proportion the whole he's going to fight Reeves. He's going to fight Lucic. He's going to fight this guy. He's going to fight this guy. And it's it's the media and social media that is is, is really driving that narrative. And I, I don't think that it has to be his only part of his game. And the thing is, a guy like um, Pazetta, while he is a good agitating fourth line energy winger, that can finish a check and that can stand up for himself. He's not going to be the guy that's going to be going out there and going against those super heavyweights. But then again, there's not a lot of those in the league to begin with. No, there's not. And he's do kind I, of a do, unicorn in that sense. Do I think that maybe it's important to um, have someone in that lineup every now and then? Yeah. Depending on the, who you're going against. 
because then it's going to take it's going to take that it's going to take Jack Eye away from what you want him to do and kind of be forcing him into that situation because chances are player X is going to be going to look for him because it's something that was brought up in a media scrum. It's like, oh, you're you know you're going against Montreal. They've got a youngster in Arbor Jack Eye and he's known as this. Oh, maybe you're going to drop the gloves with him, and then we have to hear fucking Ryan Reeves ramble on about how great he is for a few minutes and he's good uh, in the room though. Oh uh, well, you know what? Like I, I won't I won't shit on him that bad. Like, you know what, he's he's a good for the room guy, but I didn't realize how much I didn't like him talking until he got to Toronto. Because it's like he's talking all the shit about Corey Perry. And Corey Perry scored the game winning goal. And uh, you know, talked about um Jack I jumping him and everything. And it's like, dude, like look at the clip. You just you just you lost. You lost and you lost your balance. Like it is what it is, right? You've been in you've been in worse fights in your career, right? Just just yeah. take the take the draw or take the L, like whatever, man. Like it is what it is. But um to answer the question, I it it would really depend on who you're bringing back. Um the players that can contribute that can also drop the gloves are few and far between lately. So it's going to depend on what you're giving up to bring in this player, who you're taking out of the lineup to um, have this player in the lineup and the negative effect it's going to have on player that you take out of the lineup. Yeah. And, that because there is not a lot of them out there that can still contribute um, that you don't mind seeing playing a regular shift. True. And with the, with that thought of someone coming in, I don't think the Canadians really need it. It's not a, it's not a necessity in right. my opinion. I understand the thinking behind it because you got Gooley, Jack, I Anderson, those are guys who can all fight, but they're also guys you want to stay on the ice. You want yeah. them playing more minutes. So bringing in a fourth liner who you don't care if he plays five minutes or 15 minutes, that makes sense in that case. Right. But you're right. If you're going to bring somebody in to play in, even in a fourth line role, they've got to be able to contribute. They've got to bring that energy. Right. Like Pizzetta does. Yeah. Pizzetta will fight. I mean, he's not a heavyweight by any means, but they already have him there. Like, yeah. in, in my opinion, he's not a Nick Delorier. But he's no. someone that's willing to fight in Nick Delorier. Right. Like um for me, it was a guy uh who actually just fought Nick Delorier. Uh that was Ross Johnson. Guy freeze from hmm. uh he's from um Charlottetown. Um used to play for the Charlottetown Islanders, played for the Monks of Wildcats as well. Um so you know, East Coast boy can drop with gloves, he's big, he's six foot five and probably 230 pounds. He was on waivers, Anaheim picked him up. And um, if there was anyone that they were going to pick up to fill a role similar to what uh, JD's asking, it would have been a player like that. But at the same time, yeah. Montreal has um, a waiver priority right now. And what, you know, what do you want to, do you want to use it on something like that? Or do you want to use it on maybe something that like, you know, a player slides because somebody's coming back from an injury or somebody, uh, trying to make um, cap space to sign a player, maybe a Patrick Kane, something like that, right? 
Well, and that waiver priority is going to disappear in a few days. As of yeah. 1 November, right. uh, they're going to go from having the fifth choice to having uh, one of the last ones because right. of their, their standings standing the already. Yeah. 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 So uh, you're hoping somebody waves a, a good player that they can grab them before the 1st of November, but chances, chances are, are not probably good. is not going to happen. No. No. So, JD, we love your idea. It, there's merit to that idea. There, there is, there is, there is merit. I, there is merit, there is merit, merit. to it. I, I, I 100% agree that there is merit to it, but it's what you got to give up. And I know a lot of people have just talked about bringing in um, Delorier and what he brought to the team and what he brought to, uh, um, you know, what he brought to the uh, to the organization and the energy and being a local boy and all that kind of stuff. But I'm looking at his contract, and I'm just going to bring it up right quick. Nick Delorier is still signed after this season for two more years at 1.75. He's 32 years right now. He's got a modified no-trade clause with Philly. Um, is it sustainable? Absolutely. Is it a little bit rich for a guy that, for what he does? A little bit. Indeed, a little bit. Right, but... Uh, I don't know. The only the only other guy that I had on my mind that might be able to play um, that kind of style, but again, he's not a heavyweight by any means, but when he wants to, he certainly can drop the gloves, is uh, Jonah Gajevich. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But like, uh, yeah. he recently signed. He recently signed with somebody. I don't know who, but, um, you know, he's a, he's a physical, um, um, a physical, um, a physical winger. I'm just gonna, I just, I need to look away. I, I need to know where he signed now. Uh, he signed with, give me one second. He is currently with the Florida Panthers organization. There you go. So but I remember I remember watching him play because um he played in Owen Sound. Okay. Yeah. Right. So when Suzuki was there. Yes, that's right. Right. So yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Right. That's that's how I remember him. He was on the uh the world junior team, everything like that, right? Like he's yeah, one of those one of those guys that's like, how does he already have a beard? Right. <laughs> one of those kind of guys, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, with JD's thought, it makes, there's merit to it. It, it. There's, there's sense to it. It's not unreasonable. It, there, there's some actual thought about tactics in there. So JD, you know, while we don't necessarily agree with your, your thought there, we do agree that there, it is a good thought. And on that, we'll move on to the final part of the show. Uh, yep. Finish it off with this. The Thomas Plekinets retirement from hockey. Yeah. So unfortunately he had to retire due to injury, but this is somebody who meant a great deal to the Canadians yes. in the aughts and early tens. Yeah. Um, this is a guy, he's going to be, he's going to be 41 on Tuesday. Right. So it's not like. Uh, so old. Right. It's not like he's a, it's not like he's a young in the hockey game. Right. Um, no. but you know what? He did everything he could for the Canadians and, uh, he planned up, uh, a thousand and one games, uh, scored in, uh, he was able to, uh, he was able to score 
in one of those games that he played. And I think he scored in his thousands game. Yes. He did. Yeah. Scored in his thousands game. And um, he is well known for just being, you look at the guy and you see the turtleneck and, you know, it's not like he was the most imposing figure or anything like that. Yeah. He got a goatee, got a goatee, got a goatee. And a turtleneck. He doesn't look like he's the most imposing guy or anything like that. But you ask some of the best centers in the league or some of the, even some of the best players in the league who they didn't like playing against. It was Thomas mechanic. Cause he just, he was like a, I don't know. He's like a poor man's more antagonizing uh, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Yeah. He right? loved like, to slash the hands of the players that he was up yeah. against. Yeah. And Pissed I, them off. I, I would love to see this guy back in Montreal in some capacity. I don't know if it's going to happen because he's got, you know, with his family and everything. And yeah. the fact that he's is back in the Czech Republic. Um, but, you know, what a career. I, I can't say anything negative about him. I've always been a Placanic fan. Um, he is uh, he is a player that uh, I think that the next step for him, he'll be one of the guys that will be put in the ring of honor. Um, I don't know. I thought the ring of honor was just for people in the hall of fame, but if it's not him and Markov absolutely 100% belong in there. I think. No, I don't think it's just hall of fame. I don't think so. Either way. I, I agree. He's like, done. I enough. Like, yeah. Like I know some people are already talking about retiring his Jersey and everything like that. Well, that's a bit much. It's a little bit of a stretch right now. I think the next one that that's going to happen to maybe Carey Price once he, uh, right, maybe once he, uh, once that's a, he, that's uh, a borderline call at this point, right? It won't be Subban for the people that keep saying it's that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but again, I think he's a, I think he's a ring of honor type guy. And, uh, he's a guy that you look at and, uh, can't say anything negative about him other than those 17 games he played with the Leafs. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> oh, but here's here's the thing though. With that trade, this is a legacy that that he's leaving behind. Not just not just the 1000 games, not just the 606 uh, points, not uh not the two-way play and the way that he's helped the team make the uh, the uh Eastern Conference Finals twice. That trade that he he was able to get back for Montreal ended up with something very special. And this this is the trade tree. They part of that trade to Toronto got them Renette Valiev. Yes. Renette Valiev got them Brett Kulak. Kulak got them a second round pick. And that pick was Lane Hudson. Shit, eh? So the, that's a trade. legacy quite, from quite the trade tree. <laughs> Talk about stepping up on everyone. Uh, yeah. Especially for Renat Valiev. <laughs> right? Like, there, there's nothing else from the trade with Plekinets that really amounted to much for the Canadians. Right. right. Except for that one piece right there. And that's a significant piece when you think about the future of the Canadians. As many people are looking at Lane Hudson and thinking, here's a guy that's going to match up well with uh, with Reinbacher yeah. and play, become the next Quinn Hughes or their next key offensive player right so if it yeah. does end up that way i do not i do not know that everyone should thank thomas plekanec and and, and 
Marc Bergevin. I, I know people are going to hate this, but Bergevin was the one that made that trade, made made the Kulak trade, but then Hughes finished it off with trading yeah. Kulak away and picking that player. Yeah, as I only knew, I only knew the other one that was the Olafson, but Olafson never really amounted to anything, unfortunately. That was the second round pick that went with that, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So interesting. A great, a great legacy from on ice play, from his charity work in Montreal to his turtlenecks, and now Lane Hudson. So thank you, Thomas Plakanich. Absolutely. So uh, that's it for the show. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, I'll say two. Th- actually. I'm going to say three things. Um, shout out to everyone knows I'm a big UFC person and a big mixed martial arts person. I'm going to say shout out to Francis Ngannou who actually beat Tyson Fury. Uh, you got screwed. You got screwed out of your win. Uh, boxing is uh, boxing. Didn't want to see their, their champion go down, but I think everyone knows that you won that fight. Uh, I'll say uh, rest in peace to Matthew Perry uh canadian um canadian actor big hockey advocate um famously tells a story of beating up justin trudeau that i think is kind of funny every time that he tells it um as when he was a school when he, when he was a kid and uh the more serious one i'll say rest in peace to adam johnson um very tragic accident um that happened during the ihl game the other day um uh, unfortunately he died of his injury at only 29 years old. And I'm going to say to anyone that is out there that is trying to glorify that video and share it and trying to get likes and retweets and all that kind of stuff, you're fucking losers. That's the only thing that I can say. It is not something that you want to see. It's not something that should be shared. Um, it's not something that should be glorified. It shouldn't be out there. Um, if you see it, I would just don't watch it. Like just, it's just not something that uh, it's not something that you want to see. So uh, I'll say rest in peace to him. Uh, Definitely a life taken way too early in a freak accident. And um, that's all I get to say. And I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. Yes, I agree. Um, My condolences to the entire Johnson family, friends, his, uh, his girlfriend, fiance, I'm not sure, but I'm sorry. Um, to his whole family, uh, our condolences. And also, sadly, on the same day, a player in Saskatchewan, playing in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, also took a skate to the the upper body. And thankfully, that player only needed some stitches, and they were fine. But this brings me to my point. Um, Neck guards. I think these are the next thing that's going to become mandatory, even at the NHL level. But even if it's not, when you're playing minor hockey or junior hockey, wear your neck guard. I I know it's, it's a rarity. It's rare that these things happen. We can probably count on one hand, the ones that we can remember over the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah. But Adam Johnson, Zednik was the last last really bad one. Yeah. But we, we saw what happened to Adam Johnson. And it's tr- that that's tragic, and there's that that off chance that something like that will happen. Yeah. So please wear your protective gear. Um, 
which is a sad way to end the show, but that's how we're going to end it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you for uh, sending us those emails, those comments. Keep those coming. We truly appreciate it. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.